Okay, uh, hey everyone, we're back with uh, another episode of the Utility Strategy Podcast. Um, and today's episode is going to be summarized in uh, one word, uh, GPR. Or is that uh, actually three words, I guess, uh, right? So uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> uh, anyway uh, today I have with me uh, Sean McConnell. Uh, from Big Man uh, uh, Geospatial. I hope I pronounced that correctly. Uh, and let's, yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's just say that uh, if anyone knows how to work with uh, GPR, it's, uh, it's these guys. Uh, so without further ado, uh, Sean, how, uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be on, and it's always a pleasure to talk to the 4M crowd. You guys are great. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, very much uh, appreciated. Uh, so give us, uh, give us a brief. Who's, uh, who's Sean? What are you guys up to? Okay. Uh, well, my name is Sean McConnell, and I'm a senior project manager here at Bigman Geophysical. Um, we do all kinds of subsurface non-destructive testing. That's what our company specializes in. And uh, we're, we're pretty much from, from the top down. We do it all right now. So um, starting at the basics, we train people. We sell equipment. We rent equipment. Um, we can do surveys ourselves. Sometimes they, you know, really need experts. They'll send us out there. Um, and most of what my department does, in particular, is back-end processing. So a lot of people nowadays uh, can get their hands on this equipment. It's not very hard to use in most types of non-destructive testing. Um, and then when they see it and they go, I don't know what this is, or I need to make sure an expert has seen this and I'm not wrong, they can send that to us, and that's what I do. Um, and it's, it's, it's a really good job. We do a lot of different kinds of equipment, but like you said at the introduction here, uh, GPR is, has become the gold standard. Um, it's the equipment that has probably the lowest failure rate and the highest confidence in its results. Um, and the thing to remember yeah. with all non-destructive testing, and I, I like to just front load this, is we have the same rules as medical testing in the sense that we can never, ever, ever, ever make a 100% conclusive statement. Um, it's your doctor won't say this is cancer. This is not cancer. They will say we see cancer. We don't see cancer. And this yeah. is because of the nature of not being able to verify something that you can't just expose. And that's always the case of non-destructive testing. If you're exposing it, that's destructive testing. Um, and so we're, we're stuck playing that same game where it's just like a doctor, but it, it's the same deal where if you might have tumors, you really want that MRI, even if it's not hundred percent, maybe 99% still pretty good to get. Um, so we do uh, an awful lot of subsurface imaging to find uh, many, many, many different kinds of things. Um, my background, and actually Dr. Bigman himself, is archaeology, and then so is uh, Robert Thieber, who's wandering around behind me. Um, so it's surprising that you would have archaeologists in this field because archaeology is a pretty small percentage of our contracts. Um, but we all came into this because we were using uh, GPR to find archaeological sites, which in America are unfortunately not usually the big stone sites like you, you're lucky enough to have in Israel. Those are really easy to find in GPR. If you can't see yeah. a stone rectangle, you're probably not very good at your job. Um, for us, we're looking at totally decomposed wooden sites. And so in the real sense, if you took a trowel and scraped the dirt, this is just going to be different colored dirt. And to be able to find that in GPR really takes a lot of talent, a lot of training. And so archaeology for us has been a very good litmus for employees. If you can find that in GPR, you're not going to have much trouble finding pipes. And so yeah. uh, weirdly enough, a lot of archaeologists have started to kind of filter into this industry um, because our whole, all of archaeology is basically subsurface, right? Well, most of it anyway. Um, and so we've come in and most of our clients are not archaeological in any way. They're not really worried about preservation. Um, they're more interested in not hitting a pipe 
and, and, and utilities of other types. Um, we do get people that are worried about the movement of water. Um, it could be a leaky pipe, could be just totally the geology. They don't want buildings moving after they've built them. Very expensive errors. And uh, what a lot of companies are starting to realize, and the reason that I'm so happy with Forum Analytics is you guys have such wonderful posts showing them how cheap it is to find this stuff in the first place and how common it is to not do that and pay a whole lot more money. Unbelievable. Um, it, it's staggering to me that usually by the time uh, a client has sent us out there, it's because they've realized that somebody has made a terrible mistake. That's like, hey, guys, this would have been low thousands of dollars to have us do before you designed this building and you could have just moved it three feet. You know, like this is just empty land here. You could just and just save yourself a ton of trouble. Um, and instead, they're calling us out there when there's already an excavator crew sitting in their cabs doing this, waiting for us to do this. <laughs> it's like, um, okay, I don't want to. I don't want to make any, any anything more. Uh, do any more damage. So I'm just going to sit yep. here and let the let the experts take care of it. And, and, and that's you know, once they've realized that the as built are, are wrong, uh, they're coming. They're they're hiring us basically to make a much better as built. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. We get kind of this interesting back and forth because we work with a lot of companies that have uh, surveyors on hand um, for at construction sites. They're very common. And the surveyors can get kind of snotty with us because surveyors have such excellent, excellent accuracy. And they like to brag about their accuracy and how it's you know millimeter accuracy and so on. Um, and when you're dealing with uh, subsurface imaging, there's lots of different kinds of equipment, but you're not looking for millimeter accuracy. What you're doing is you're, you're taking an as-built, which is pretty optimistic, you know, drawn on a flat surface to begin with. And you're making a much, much better as-built. But in terms of accuracy, we're not trying to compete with an AutoCAD model. Um, and that's kind of the next generation where things are going. Um, and that, that's something that I know 4M has, is developing, you know, wonderful 3D models for where utilities are and much better as-builds to begin with. And where things are going in the future is that we can go out to a place like that and, and verify and dial that in even a little bit tighter. And people can know about things in advance and save just piles of money. Um, in terms of other contracts, aside from utilities and leaks and, and structural elements, you know, steel reinforcements, uh, the other stuff that GPR works really, really well for, we're starting to get more of is uh, cemeteries. It's kind of a funny problem, but uh, humans have been on planet Earth for a long time and most of them are dead. Uh, it's, it's a funny thing to realize outside of archaeology is the vast majority of human beings are not currently alive. And so when you're dealing with most developed nations, hitting human burials can be a big problem. Um, yeah. And GPR is, to my knowledge, I have a very strong opinion, the best tool I know of for finding burials, period. I, I used to do this the old-fashioned way not that long ago at all. In fact, most CRM companies don't have any, any GPR at all. Um, CRM being cultural resource management in America, that's what we call archaeology. Um, yeah. it, they're, they're going around and they're doing a grid of shovel tests and then uh, saying whether or not they detected anything that looks like a grave. And that's great, except that, you know, it's nowhere near a 1% sample. And so statistically speaking, you could blast right through an entire cemetery and not get a grave. I mean, it's just, it's crazy that people still, but it's considered, you know, the way that until very recently, that was the best that people could do. So legally it helps, you know, that, that uh, due diligence kind of an argument. But if you actually want to find the graves and not hit them with your bulldozers and stuff, you want GPR. Um, and so we're starting to pick up a lot of cemetery work. Um, and, and we just recently have one in Kentucky that's not published yet, but we found, I think, 5,246 burials in five acres. Wow. But we wow. can do things like that. Right. And then that same cemetery can make decisions about where to stick because they need to run power lines for some of the monuments and stuff like that. And you can do it with, with a remarkable level of precision. So it can be done. And it's, it's not in the world of engineering. It's not even that expensive. Wow. 
What what are the uh, this is a bit of a maybe a weird question, but what's the weirdest things that you picked up with uh, with GPRs? Like what's what's your funniest story? Uh, my first GPR survey ever. Uh, I, I was one of those. I read all the manuals. I knew exactly what I was doing when I went out there. And, you know, I'm, I was a PhD candidate archaeologist, so I'm pretty pretty hot shot or so I thought. Um, and I'm working inside of a castle in Ireland. And this castle, it's huge and it's ruined and falling over. Um, so I was personally the person to go around with a lawnmower and cut a path in the grass so that tourists could go and walk along the inside of this castle. And it's yeah. cool. A few weeks later, a guy brings out GPR. I'd never, you know, I was, oh my God, we got to use this thing. But I collect the whole grid and I see in my profiles, I can pick up this big red rectangle that's inside of our actual castle wall. And we had, the historians had theorized there was an older Irish castle that had been resurfaced as a bigger Norman castle. And I said, we found it. Here it is. Here's a red map of exactly where it is. And it's right below <laughs> the surface, but it's ruins. It's probably just the last little layer of stone that they didn't pick yeah, up. Yeah. There's champagne. The historians were thrilled. We got out there. We sampled it. And all I had found is where I had mowed the grass, the sun had dried the soil faster. And <laughs> the water, it looked just like stone. It looked exactly like stone. Um, and I was just totally wow. um, So I found a whole phantom castle. It's my first GPR grid. I've never been that wrong again since, but I was totally wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you learn the mistakes are what uh, give us experience. So, uh uh, happen, happens to happens to the best of us. Oh yeah. Um, so yeah. Oh, I was just gonna say it's it's one of those things where uh, with GPR is people should be, in my opinion, when we when they you know get this thing and they're very nervous. I'm like, just go and, and and be brave and just make sure that you state like we don't know anything. This is just what I can see and what it looks like. And you can say it. This looks like a stone object. And if you turn out to be wrong, well, that happens, especially when you're new. And a good client can look at your work history and they know what they're hiring. You know, are you somebody who's done this a long time for a big company or are you a new guy? They understand. As, as long as you manage your client's expectations about how certain you are and how much you've done this, you shouldn't get in that much trouble. And what a lot of our clients do is when they go out there and they measure something and they get a really wild find like that, they'll say, I want experienced eyes on this. And that's that's really what this project department is built around. They can just send us the data and go, guys, is there a sinkhole in the middle of this? And you know, we can look at it and go, Oh, no, dude, that's not a single. You know, like we find it and can verify it. And so it's really nice because it's it's the same data set and they can just, there's that next level is available and it's not even that expensive. Our, our rate for doing consultation is $225 an hour, which sounds like a lot, but most data sets, two, three hours, you know, a few hundred bucks and you can know yeah. if you're right or wrong. In when we're talking about surveys with something that important, that's nothing. <laughs> no, it's it's so cheap. Um, and that's that's what I'm really proud of is is for us, we get a really cool job because we get just survey reports from all across the world, just rolling in and people finding weird stuff and going, is this really what I think it is? And you know, that, that it's an entertaining job, but you get really good really quick because I've seen just the wackiest stuff out there. Yeah. Tell me, um, yeah. Uh, tell me a bit about the, the process itself. So how, how does it work? Like a company reaches out, they say, look, well, this is uh, this is what we've done. This is a data set. What, what do you guys do? Like, I know it's very, uh, uh, might, might be a bit difficult to explain without uh, without images and without looking at screens, but maybe at, maybe at kind of a high level. How does it work? Yeah, uh, so we do all the things when it comes to GPR. So people uh, might have an idea for how something could work in theory. So they might be a drone company, and now you can you can buy drone GPRs. Actually, they're coming from places like Latvia, where all of a sudden you can pick up uh, a fairly good GPR antenna for again like you know low thousands of dollars, maybe 10 grand or something. And, and 
mount this to a drone and survey and they want to know like a how well will this work with my current setup and, and b when they collect it uh, they might find that wow this is way more complicated than i thought it would be and you know we do this all the time so i can answer their questions and i can help run through their data and it's we just keep it as there's a same hourly rate for whatever they want us to do and we're great mercenary like if, if you want me to go out to bolivia and do this with you or if you want to just send data to me and i just look through it for an hour whatever you need <laughs> here's the rate yeah. you know and, and there they go um and and so we we get it's hard to even say like we most of our work is american but we've got contracts with the united nations uh just recently working uh finding what they call clandestine burials um so okay. you know march graves relating to wars particularly the iran iraq war um wow. yeah i i just had a training session with uh the united nations has a section that does this uh, and uh they're they're very good experienced people but the problem is that there's so much new software and equipment that comes out all the time that even if you have a team of phds you constantly have to retrain um, so people that are that are already experts will come to us for specific things that they don't know, and we will teach them. And likewise, I have other experts that I'll consult with when I get stumped, which is pretty regularly, about every two weeks or so. I have to reach out to maybe uh, Dr. Dean Goodman, my favorite. He's the guy who wrote GPR Slice. And I go, Dean, what the hell am I doing? And he usually yells at me. Um, but <laughs> that, that's how it works when you're in the tech industry. It's just don't be afraid of getting into stuff you don't know, because when you yeah. do... Uh, a GPR, there's there's so much to know about how GPSs work and how GPR works and how magnetic radiometry works and what kind of targets you're, you're never going to know all that crap. You're not. Yeah. Read the manuals yeah. well enough to do the data collection. We have online training courses that will really increase your odds of getting it right. And you can just rent equipment and try it. And odds are very high that we'll be able to get you through from A to B. Is it, are there any uh, uh, algorithms that you guys have, uh, I don't know, developed or is it, is it like completely a uh, manual or is there like some sort of combination to, to read the, the data sets? That's a good question. So there are uh, specialists who do exactly that and they, they, they are software companies. And for a long time, the king of all of it for about 30 years has been Dr. Dean Goodman of GPR Slice. And in terms of software, I won't say he was unrivaled, but he was, you know, what, what was the name again? I didn't catch the name. Uh, Dr. Dean Goodman. Dean Goodman. Okay. Yes. And he's, he's fantastic. <clears throat> a bit grouchy now, but he's, he's fantastic. <laughs> uh, he's, and, you know, he's a physicist who can also do coding, who also understands archaeology. One of those people that just has so much information in their head, it's unbelievable. Yeah. And so for a long time, he wrote the algorithms that you could uh, pay not very much money in the world of software subscriptions, and you could have GPR Slice. And using Slice is a little rough. Uh, it's it's you have to know a lot of things to be able to use that software. And so we train people on Slice is one of our most common things um, because there's so many things you can do with it that it's it's overwhelming. So usually people Slice say, is a software that you use yeah. to yeah to analyze the GPR signals. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so when we like what we distribute where where people can buy Slice through us. Um, yeah, so they yeah. say hey I want to buy Slice and we we include like when you purchase it a, a two hour what we call an onboarding. And so I say, what exactly is your equipment and where are you going and what are you looking for? And so I can just dial in this huge capacity, this universe of crap you can do with GPR because it's just an amazing tool into what they actually need to know to do their job. And I record it on like a two hour session and they can rewatch it and try it again and again. And it makes it really easy. And then we're there. Wow. Get yeah. And so I, I try to just make it so you don't have to have three PhDs to do the job. You, you know, try to make things easy for people. Um, in yeah. terms of writing algorithms, a lot of this equipment nowadays comes with onboard software. So there'll be either a tablet that's attached to the machine or something that's built right directly on top of it. Um, and those are getting better every day. I mean, when I started this in 2015, it was the Stone Age compared to what we have right now. 
oh man, there's stuff that I can't even talk about because the developers on this go back and forth with us about what's needed and how we'll blah, blah, blah. But we, the stuff that's coming out that I can't talk about is, it's amazing. Um, there's so many people working on algorithms for automatically detecting and drawing the things you see in GPR because the way it's currently done and will probably continue for a while yet is that you have to look at radar grab profiles, which are measured in nanoseconds and understand what you're looking at. And training a human being to read a, a radar gram readout takes a lot of time. It just does. And it takes a lot of experience. And experience. And if someone else yeah. is using it, so there's that human element that is unpredictable and they can mess up all your uh, your work. So and anytime you have is. to send out to, to experts who are qualified to read an unusual type of physics display, that adds a lot of time and a lot of cost. And we want GPR to be fun and easy. So the onboard software is, is designed to run automatic detection algorithms and draw utilities. Or I, I don't like to say that we see the utilities because unless you can follow it to a fire hydrant, you know damn well what it is. You know it's a linear object. And you're, when you've done enough self-searches, you realize that there is just a mountain of crap that humans have put under the earth. And so even when you find a line, it may not actually be the one you were looking for, even though according to the as-built, this is exactly where it should be. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That might be an entirely different thing. Happens all the time. Um, so you, all the time. you find linear features, and if, especially metal objects in concrete or something, they just glow bright red in the new software. Like, you can't miss them. And, uh, well, I, I shouldn't say that, but most of them are very easy to see. And then there's exception to that because radar gets weaker and weaker signals that penetrates deeper into the earth. And quite often when you get to the bottom, you can get phantom signals that look like something they're not, no matter how good you are. And, wow. and quite often the stuff you really, really need to see is at the bottom of what your antenna is going to reach. And you're in a spot where you can't just use a bigger antenna. And so they'll, they'll reach to us and you know, we'll do fancier algorithms and filtering and try to pull out that stuff. But uh, that's, that's where, like the software is going is more and more auto detection more and more augmented reality i love you know people don't realize how great augmented reality is a tool but when you have to explain to a client on site no i'm going to take this back and post process it and i'm going to send you some pictures of what's here and then from that pdf they're going to try and figure out what's in front of them nobody yeah. on an elevator wants to be handed that pdf they hate yeah. that uh, my new thing is that i love uh, kmz files which is google earth I can send that in a text message and their accuracy isn't going to be amazing, but the guy in the excavator can see it on his phone and go, Oh shit. I'm just flagging my little annotations usually, although I can even export a, a time slice. So I can show you, this is what's below you one meter below the ground. And they can see a big ass, you know, sewer line or something and go, Ooh, don't put the, <laughs> I'll get off the shovel for a second. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> and so we're, we're getting to where the stuff is eminently more shareable. Uh, it, it's much, much faster to process. So our, our processing time, I, I have a company in Chicago we work with a lot that does great big crates and they can be up to a half a million tons. And when something is that heavy, uh, they ran into trouble once where they put it over, I don't know what utility it was, I imagine a sewer line, but something hollow and the crane went like this. And when you have something many, many stories tall weighing that amount and it moves suddenly, it, the liability is just unimaginable. That could go down in, in hundreds of people killed you know i mean just yeah, crazy yeah, yeah. and so finding these things and being very sure that you're right not just that you did your due diligence is very important and relative to that level of util of uh, uh, liability the cost of gpr scan is just negligible i mean and and most of these companies they'll have someone like us come out and we'll do scans or they might start with somebody cheaper and that's a bad idea um with something like that you should you should go for some you know we're not expensive um 
And there's local people who go around doing utility locating with just a handheld and they're, they're pretty good and they'll mark it with flags or spray paint and that's okay. But if they're not doing post-processing with computers, they're not pushing the limits of what this stuff can mine. So when you need to be right, <laughs> you send the data somewhere to get post-processed as an extra step or a line item in the quote. It's not much money. And you get experts to look at it and say, okay, here's what's really here when we, when we draw this out in 3D models and really look at it. Um, and then, what do you think that is that... Um, I don't know that that the the left the quality of of this data, excuse me, that the data of this quality is just sometimes overlooked. Like it's sometimes you know we hear and this is not to knock off uh, uh, the locators and the eight one one guys, but sometimes they they are uh, they get called in three days before construction starts and like, okay, like we've done the markings, we're not liable anymore, but, but you know, that's like, they're working with their data or, uh, and they are like, they're taking on 20, 30, 40 projects a day, depending on, uh, on where they are and, uh, in the state. And like, there's a limit to the quality that they can give for such a delicate situation. You know what I mean? Yep. And, and, uh, there's, there's two big problems with that. And the first problem is the old expression, it's it's not the arrow, it's the Indian. Um, not everyone holding on to you utility locators equally likely to map your, your, your utilities well. Um, a yeah, lot of people, yeah. you can buy this equipment. It's it's not that much that expensive as far as business expenses. If you can afford a car, you can certainly afford a utility locator. Yeah. Um, and you can go out there and say, I'm a utility locator. And there is no one who will arrest you for saying that. You can't be bought. <laughs> You have the device in your hand. You are technically a utility locator. Whether you're any good is completely separate. And the industry is so young that it's full of what I call cowboys. And I don't dislike them, but they're they're usually young men fresh out of school who will buy the equipment, read the manual, and go out exactly what I did at my castle. They're businessmen. They're entrepreneurs. They want to make a living. Right. They I, want I, I, yeah. I think they're great. And it's our job to reach out to them and shake them and go, guys, don't, don't do that without someone double-checking your work. You, you really need that because you're going to get sued. <laughs> it's going to cost you a lot more than being right. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. So like, we have a utility locator he usually sits in that chair right behind me, but he's in the back training some people. Um, and he's, he's very, very good. But utility locating is not simple. There's actually a lot of context into figuring out where things are, even with the, the wants. And the GPRs levels beyond that, where we're actually doing something closer to AutoCAD, where we're you know building a nice 3D model with much more accurate understandings of things. Um, and that, that's the first problem is just making sure you have a good utility locator. And you know if, if that's not finding everything in your as-built and you think there's extra stuff there, a GPR survey is the next level, which for an expensive project, I would just assume do. Like if, if you're buying land before you even send it to an architect, have someone find out where all the utilities are, then design. <laughs> and that's the order it should go in. Um, but the next problem is, is what's called BIM or building information uh, management software, BIM. Sure. And yeah. what people don't realize is that uh, we we kind of take for granted what software can do really quickly, and we trust it. And when you convert projection systems, and this is a big problem in America, and I imagine it's a problem elsewhere, everybody has different kinds of projection systems. Our surveyors are absolutely not using a global projection system like WGS or UTF. They're not doing it. They're doing a local system like state plane, and they have to because all of the legislation and regulations are written in coordinates using those planes. And they can be very old. They are quite often projections from the 1920s and 1930s. And when you convert what I'm doing in UTM into what they're doing in state plane, things, they might be two sets of completely accurate measurements, 
but you're stretching them over a shape of the earth that's not projected the same way. So both very accurate measurements can be a foot apart. And that's yeah. very hard to explain to people is the projection system, tying those together requires uh, an expert. So it's not that it can't be done. It's that BIM is kind of a new concept. And unless you have really good AutoCAD and really good surveyors who actually know how to convert uh, coordinate planes, People just think they can drag my locations and their surveyor's locations and the plumber's locations into the same file and everything will be in the same place. It's not. It just is. It's not plug and play yet. And I, I probably 10 years from now, that'll be completely outdated. If, if, you know, people just drag it and it'll show up in the right place. But it's not there in 2022. So if you want to take your DPR data and put it on an AutoCAD model, you can, but you need somebody who can convert coordinate planes very well, and you need somebody who understands tolerances. The only industry that really can do that well is surveyors. And so you, you need somebody that can say, I can have uh, an architectural diagram of where these metal beams are that's accurate to two millimeters, but I can then add GPR data that when we're penetrating four feet of concrete, I'm really happy if I'm within five centimeters. It's, it's a different level of accuracy. And dealing with those data sets when you're drawing a 3D model and you have different types of accuracy is actually really heady stuff. It's not simple. And that's where I find a lot of our clients, um, our clients turn out okay, because we know to warn them in advance, but that's where a lot of people fall into pitfalls before they call us, is they say, hey, I did this with an RTK enabled GPS and I've got you know, 0.7 centimeter accuracy. Why am I 18 inches from my target? <laughs> it's like, well, they're in a state plane and you're not. And their world is flat. And your world is curved. And I'm sorry. <laughs> like, yeah, um, science, you know. <laughs> yeah, and it, it's it's a real pain in the ass. And it's one of those things where once you once you understand what's going on there, it's like, oh, it's not that hard. And you know, yeah, you have to hire a specialist to fix it. But the way things are going nowadays is so much of this is remote, and and exporting parts of a job to a bajillion different subcontractors isn't that hard like it used to be. And so you can you can send this crap to a surveyor and go, hey dude, can you convert this projection system for me? And they're like, yeah, like a few hundred bucks. You know, it's not a big deal. It's just a matter that that the person who's actually running these projects needs to understand it is varying levels of accuracy, different projection systems. That's about it. You know, I think that uh, uh, our industry at the moment, construction, infrastructure, utilities, is prime for uh, these new techniques, these new technologies. You know, in, in so many cases, they're just not new, but they're just so trivial in so many other uh, industries. Like you, you mentioned the medical uh, before, and like we can, uh, like uh, we we're talking about algorithms, like there's... All these stuff that are happening everywhere else except for construction and except for infrastructure. And it's, uh, you know, I think it's like the, uh, the, the professionals these days are, are getting impatient. It's like, okay, where, where's, where's the innovation? Where's the new stuff that we can, that we can start working with? And I think there's a lot of internal education happening uh, inside organizations at the moment, whether it's with uh, project, project owners like Textad or whether it's uh, the big GCs or the, you know, like tiny civil engineering firms of uh, five people. Uh, like people, people are ready for, for this type of stuff. Absolutely. And what I think what's frustrating is we all see manufacturers showing us <clears throat> what this is capable of, what this data can look like. Yeah. And we're all going, why isn't this being used? And what 
people don't understand is when you have different crews running different equipment, there's a million ways to set up your GPS. It's, it's infuriating how many options there are on these things. Because once yeah. you have them all, it's like, dude, I just turn it on and I run it. Like, it's really easy. Yeah. <laughs> different settings, and they, they have to be that way because of the different backgrounds and legal requirements and regulations. And so getting all these data sets to play together is where the magic is happening right that's where companies like 4M are coming in and being able to tie all this together into just one big stupid map. Here's where the stuff is, guys. And, and that people don't respect how much calculation that requires and how clever you have to be. And I know you guys have things going on with satellites looking at um, you know, auto detection algorithms, what they call AI, looking at where people have excavated trenches to help figure out where some of these utilities have been dropped. And, and stuff like that is required to produce what is ultimately a very easy to use deliverable where once you're done, any idiot will be able to click on it and go, oh, look, a water line, you know, like it's great. But people don't understand we are, that that transition is taking place slowly because there are so many different crews and so many ways of doing this that getting all that into one universal package is just a lot more math than people respect. Um, and that's, that's where my advice to people getting into subsurface and GPRs don't do that. That's not your job. You are there to collect data that is very accurate and send it to them with that accuracy presented. Here's here's how accurate my GPS was. Here's how accurate uh, depth estimates are with uh, GPR because it's measuring in nanoseconds and no AutoCAD out there is going to be in nanoseconds of depth. They're going to do it in some sort of actual inches or centimeters. Um, yeah. And so you have all these tolerances going on. You state them, you collect your data, you present the data in whatever file types they want. And then you say, there you go. And if they are trying to do something and it's not compatible with their system, they need to hire a professional that can take different data streams and, and combine them together. And then that's usually like a, a surveyor, basically. And it's just that knowledge that you have to get the right person. Because right now, when you are, I'm a guy with a GPR, people are going to say, great, can you stick that in my AutoCAD model? No. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not me. <laughs> I find the pipes, I record them on my thing, and I send that to you. And, you know, and it's just that matter of GPR as it stands right now is so great at producing these very, very useful PDFs of where we detect things. Um, and then the next step is just getting that into an automated system that models it. And that five years from now, probably, that'll be so much easier. But right now, that's where the headache is. Well, what do you guys do? You mentioned conflation before. Uh, do you guys have any challenges with, uh, with conflation and putting all the data together? Like, have you had any complex data, say, data sets that you said, okay, like this is something that we need to give some thought? Yeah, so uh, my, I, my statistics professor taught me the, the first rule of statistics is, is GIGO, garbage in, garbage out. If yeah. I get a data set, and I have learned this the hard way because there's so many things you can do to try and clean up GPS points. But if you get a data set and you open it up and the GPR data is, is way too noisy, way too shallow, or the GPS points aren't good enough, say, I'm sorry, you're going to have to recollect this. I can't take it. And that, that, yeah. that's a really hard. And everyone who does GPR has that day sooner or later. And it doesn't matter yeah. how good you are. Once in a while, you're on some volcanic sand in Peru and you find out your penetration is that deep. You know, like it's rare. It's, it's I think, probably the highest success rate non-destructive testing there is. But if you do this long enough, you will get burned once in a while when you collect the data set and say it's it's not going to work, guys. I'm sorry. Um, and that's that's a, a hard lesson because I've had you know especially uh, like PhD candidates where you get a big grant and you go out there and you do the thing and you say I have spent the grant money. Here's my data and you go, 
<laughs> that hurt. I felt it. I felt it. <laughs> I need you to fly back out there. <laughs> you know, it's not. It's not good. But you know, that's the problem. Is is you know, your first time doing something. If you're doing something completely new, it's, it's fairly high risk. And so that's that's why uh, I'm so happy we we now offer just like completely online training. It's like a two week program. But at least you will be able to know if your data is good and you can you know mail it back to wherever you rented it or if you need to change a setting and do it again. Because I, I, I personally collected, I don't know how many grids, right? Find out, oh, stacking was on. What, what happens with stacking? Well, I go here and I delete it all and I go back out there and do it with that not on. You know, like, that's it. That can be a very expensive thing to find out. Um, you take a, a two-week course, not that bad, and you can know, look at the screen and kind of review your data and go, okay, I have good GPR data, and then GPS points are pretty easy because it'll show you a track. And you can say, are these GPS points where they belong? Yes. Great. <laughs> so the, the, the first rule, if you have good data from there, you can take a deep breath and, and things will be okay. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest filter I find with, with new people and people who just buy this stuff. It's not that bad. You just need to make sure you, you get to the step where you have good output. And from there, it's just a matter of what can be done with it. And, you know, GPR, like everything else, it's limited. Obviously, depth is a limitation. You can't take a concrete scan and look at something two miles under the Earth's crust. It's just not in the books. Um, and the frustrating thing for me forever is people ask me, how deep is it going to penetrate? What's the RDP of your soil? <laughs> I don't know. There's no map of soil RDPs for planet Earth. It doesn't exist yet. Um, so I can estimate, I can tell you kind of a bell curve, you know, like 95% confidence you're going to get down two meters kind of a thing. But 5% is not that rare. <laughs> it happens to, it's like that 5% chance of rain on the weather forecast. About one in 20 times you get rained on, you know, like it's the same kind of a thing. Um, so occasionally people will take a, a grid and they'll pay a lot to rent a machine and they'll find out, well, I needed things that were three meters, but I only see two meters. Yeah. yeah, are you uh um are you putting together benchmarks internally, like the kind of the kind of uh, log the data and say, okay, this is what we've learned here, and this can help us make sense of these other projects? Like, is that something that you guys are doing, like to give to your uh to the customers and the agencies that you're working with, kind of feedback? Look, like this is typical for your type of project that uh, that you've dealt with, or this is abnormal. Uh, yes. In fact, my favorite benchmark is uh, we, we have uh, on our contract, and people can change this if it needs to be the higher security and they need information security. Of course. Usually, most of our projects are totally fine with our indemnification clause where we say we can take this report and show it to future clients so they know what their stuff could look like. And so I, you know, I have a huge catalog of these, but I can try to match exactly that antenna or one very, very similar to their kind of an area and their kind of a target. And I can grab that PDF and say, this is what we're going to try and do. I can't guarantee it'll work, but this is usually very, very good. And and they can I can calculate. I've gotten awfully good at quoting how long it's going to take and how long it's going to cost. How much it's going to cost. And we go out there and we do the thing. But my favorite way to approach this because people just don't know what the deliverable is going to look like is is to just send them. Here's a Google Earth file of what we found at a site in let's say Hawaii. Here's a PDF, and so we can do that same thing for you. Here's the quote. And they can just look at bop, bop, bop and know what they're buying. And that's really the biggest thing I found is at the end of, you know, the deal, whether or not that client is happy is mostly established at the beginning when you told them what to expect. Yeah, yeah. Of, course, of course. And I can't tell you how often people think that because we're, we're making a 3D model that we're giving them some sort of 3D model 
like, no, I'm processing that. But unless you own my same <laughs> software subscriptions, I'll share you the file. <laughs> unless you have GPR Slice, you can't even open it. And even if you do, you need to know radio physics to do much with it. It's, if we're yeah. not there yet where we have easily shareable 3D files, you know, it's getting there. You know, things like Google SketchUp and all those where you can, we're starting to get cheaper and cheaper, cheaper 3D models that people can actually share with each other. But it's just not quite there. And, and so for the time being, when we export uh, what's called tomography, which I know you know, but it's, it's slices of flat information. And if you look at medical imaging, that's how it's generated. So there's just a whole bunch of these little flat slices close together. It's like a book with pages. Um, and we can export those as file types that are nowadays pretty common. It's pretty easy to share a, a flat thing, even if it's georeferenced with points for like Google Earth, for example, is my favorite one. You can just send them all those flat things and they can look at it. And if the target is something like a metal object, you can just see the red line and know where it is. And so anybody who's got AutoCAD, I can send them that tomography. And if they're not an idiot, they can draw the pipes in it. But it's on them because they're trained to know how to draw pipes and deal with the appropriate level of accuracy and not say this is one centimeter accurate when it's five centimeter accurate and get somebody electrocuted. I can't, I'm not going to draw that model for somebody and hand it off and have them completely misunderstand it. They have to draw that model right now. And, and maybe in the future that'll change. But for the time being, the biggest thing about geophysics is to keep it geophysics. It's complicated enough. Run the data, produce the very common, you know, everybody can can take .kz files anymore, but whatever they want, you can you can export as, send them whatever type they want and say, yeah. I, my, my interpretation is a PDF file. <laughs> there you go. Here's the object, here's what I think about it. And then anything they want to do from there, as long as you don't jump into the middle of it, you're fine. Just don't pretend to be an AutoCAD engineer or a surveyor. That's not us, you know. Yeah, not, uh, not, can't be liable for everything. Um, no, and, and I, think, I like it. I, I, I really like it because uh, people, they get so snooty when they compare us to stuff that's surface and very high accuracy. And I go, you're comparing us to the wrong thing. Compare me to your asbills. That is a surveyor's stamp, all right? That's a, that's a huge legal meaning when a surveyor stamps something. And yeah. if you buy a house, that surveyor stamp, they, they may not have gotten out of their car before they stamped it. They drove by and went, that's the house, boom. Because the accuracy required in that situation to be a surveyor grade accuracy, it's, you know, what can you do standing on the surface being a surveyor? We're, we're able to do something much, much more accurate than that. So in that context, we're just smearing what the, the surveyor has stamped because we can actually have some sort of clue what's going on under the ground. You can, you can get better than what's being done subsurface very easily. Like compared to what's been done 10 years ago, it's not hard to get to get a much, much, much better idea of the utilities and then the other stuff going on in site, the geology, and depth of concrete pads, which all the time uh, people lie about. And they say, oh, yeah, it's a five inch pad. You find there are sections where it's three and a half inch. You, know, you get to something, you go, did they run out of rebar over there? What happened on this? <laughs> we find this I mean, uh, a lot of times people are calling us because there's a building that's not that recent, but, you know, something's going wrong with it and they want to know how much worse is this going to get, you know, like, uh, yeah. Uh, tensioning cables that are, that are very, very large post-tensioning cables holding wow. together the apartment complex. We had an example where those were popping out of the floor, which is a bad wow. sign. And they That's want to know, is this, you know, can we yeah. just fix these floors and we're good? Or is this building going to, you know, and then I'm not an engineer. I'm not going to tell you that. But I can scan this and tell you where the metal objects are. <laughs> you know, like, and that's you hand that to an engineer, and they can tell you a much more educated understanding of what's happening. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just don't be the engineer; be the guy who finds the linear objects. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so, Sean, we have uh, uh, normally we end the uh, episodes with uh, with two questions. So, my first question is: What do you think that industry experts, industry professionals need to uh, need to emphasize most in their projects when they're dealing with GPRs? Uh, the most important thing is not expressing a level of certainty or detail that isn't appropriate. It's, it's not hard. It's always the same. We're never 100% certain. But here's how accurate my GPS was, and here's what the GPR recorded. And, and in terms of depth, uh, there's some articles we can cite, but if you've done hyperbola fitting, which is what most people do nowadays, you've got about 10% accuracy on your, dip, on your depths. So however deep it down it is, the, you know, the tolerance just change with depth. But that's usually when people are looking for a pipe, 10% accuracy, they can work with that, you know, on, on the depth. And the XY is very accurate because it's on the surface. And so, you know, just, just knowing there's really fundamental basics that almost every survey follows the same rules. And so if you have gotten any kind of training on GPR, don't just read a manual, you know, a class. I think ours is probably the cheapest and best out there, but there's college courses on it. I know Colorado School of Mining with Lawrence Conyers has whole, you can get a degree in this stuff and be an expert. But whatever it is, just make sure that you've had at least the fundamental basic training so you don't say something you can't do. Don't make a promise you can't keep. As long as you're doing that, you're really going to be just fine because this stuff produces such an unbelievable product at such a cheap price. It's pretty easy to keep your clients happy, you know, it's, it's just a great map. And then they, they look at the, the price and they look at how much it's saved. It's, this is great. <laughs> you have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars because I've had cases where they're just going to put a highway right through a whole row of, of what worked out to be African-American burials. It's like, oh, God, no, scoot it, you know, just a short distance. Cost them probably almost nothing and you're fine. No more <laughs> ROI questions. Just kind of drop the mic. This is what, uh, yeah. this is what we it, saved you guys. When you do GP, geophysics correctly, you know, you will have, like anything else, you'll have, you know, some good contracts some bad contracts. But most of the time, they should look at the product and they should look at the bill and almost just laugh and sign your check. Like, this is this is a great, great product for the money. And the biggest problem right now is there's not enough people that can even give them that product. There's so few people doing this. And so it's just yeah. this, this vacuum market that's going to explode. There's going to be a lot more GPR techs in 2025 than there are right now. Um, so if you're getting in, you know, people getting into it, it's just, it's easy. It's really easy to really impress some, some very high dollar, great engineering firms because they haven't had anybody do this that wasn't just some wild asshole who didn't know what he was doing. When you're the first person to walk in and give them the correct deliverable that wasn't that hard to produce and it just blows their socks off, that's a great thing. <laughs> I, I like when there's really high dollar expensive people. You're in a room, there's a big table and they've all got the hard hats with all the crap attached to them. And you go, here you go, guys. All They're all Yeah, all have an opinion. Yeah. The, the, the cheapest antennas you can get right now for, I shouldn't say that, but that I know of off the top of my head for, for concrete scanning is like the ProSec. They have augmented reality. And so I, I run a scan and then I take a picture of a little barcode and I just hand the, the client my tablet. And I go, look, those are linear objects, blah, 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 blah. But they see the freaking rebar and they know what they're looking at. And they're just looking, you know, you can stand next to it and point at it and go, what yeah. the hell is this thing? And they go, oh, my God, that's not supposed to be there. <laughs> they know what they're looking at. They're just, they're thrilled. And I love that feeling when you leave a room and your clients are just absolutely giddy. That's, that's, that's the potential nice. yeah. GPR experience when they <laughs> just solve their problem for so little money so quickly. I love that feeling. And then... <laughs> 
it, it's it's just full of that. It's a really good job right now. So I'm I love my job. Yeah. So uh, last question: Who do you think is the next person that we should have on our show? Oh boy. Well, uh, I put you on point there. Yeah, it, uh, I. I'm, I'm, Biased because I just had uh, a very long series of meetings with uh, Bill Stetner of Emlet, um, and and Emlet is this uh, corporation. We 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 uh, they're a manufacturer that makes cheap gasoline, and we are a distributor. We sell them. And I, uh, when I first encountered an Emlet, I was so skeptical that I, I didn't even give it really time, because I had come from Ireland. I'd used terrible GPSs, and we didn't basically thrown them out and gone back to using like total stations. It was really slow, but at least you have something. And so I showed up for this job and my boss handed me a $3,000 GPS. And I said, oh, good, great, thanks, Dan. You know, I'm, I'm just going to take my quarters with Total Station anyway, because this is going to be crap. And I've used them again and again and again. And I've used them in shockingly thick forests. And I have yet to stuff my amulets. They have worked in unbelievable situations. They're RTK accuracy. You can't really get a much more accurate GPS. And they're $3,000 ahead, $4,500 if you want a pair. It's, it, they're stupidly cheap. Um, and it, it, the whole how they got them that cheap, the whole story, and Bill Stetner of Emlyn would, would happily sit here and tell you all about it. But the fact of the matter is that pretty much everybody can afford to have really good GPSs now. It's a total game changer in the world of locating anything. They're, they're easy to use. They're cheap. I have dropped them off of all kinds of things. If you manage to break it, their warranty is very, very good. And they're not going to say, well, mail it to Sweden and we'll fix it and send it back to you six months from now. They don't fix them. If you manage to break it, they're just going to send you another one unless it has like a bullet hole in it or tire tracks through it. It, it takes a lot to break those things. I should know. So a must, a must have for the, for the guys in the field. Absolutely. I mean, I, they're, they're, they're durable and they work really well and they're simple to use. And I can't believe I'm saying that about an RTK corrected GPS because I've used a lot of other systems out there and they're very good, but man, you got to have a college degree to wield some of that stuff. So you, you owe me an intro, Sean. And we'll make, yeah. it, we'll make it happen. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, uh, Sean, thank you so much. Uh, very much appreciate your time. And it was a pleasure. Learned a lot of new stuff. Um, and hopefully we'll have you again uh, another time. So uh, <laughs> thanks. Anytime.